G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. Uh, we'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live uh, weekly Q&A. Tonight, we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Meg and Ricky Hutchinson from Littledale Sheepdogs. Obviously, we're not live tonight because um, <laughs> Meg and Ricky are all the way in the UK. Of course, they have it. But anyways, um, Meg and Ricky will be picking who they think have asked the best question of the night, and they will win a bag of Enduro Plus high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey, how are you guys going? Good, yeah. thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, awesome. No, thanks, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for jumping on. And you guys are uh, in the middle of lambing there? Uh, no, we're in the final throws now. Um, yeah, 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 there's not many left at all. It's getting to the stage now where the Lord is my shepherd because he's on a cheap hourly rate, so he looks after him from now on. <laughs> Love it. Um, and um, we'll start by, do you guys want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, what you do, and how it came to be? Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, we are a husband and wife team. Um, we've, um, I've been brought up in Littledale. In fact, this is my family home um on the farm um so i started running dogs basically my, my father's family um have always been into sheep dogs and sheep dog trials and my father's been into breeding he used to run a little bit but only a, only a small scale local trials um but it's always been around me as i was, as I was brought up um so i started trialing um as, as soon as i you know as soon as i had a dog win my teens um and then, um, yeah, so that's where I am, and and I'm, I've I've moved to a different place around the country, but yeah, I'm back at the back at the family farm now with with with, with Meg. So yeah, and I'm um, I'm from a long way from here, which compared to Australia is is tiny. Um, I'm from Norfolk, so I grew up on a, a livestock farm um, at the bottom, at the other end of the country from here, and then we met through dogs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I met dogging. <laughs> oh, he did. <laughs> um, and Don't check your searches for we dogging in. That's all I can say. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the age of 10. <laughs> and then been trialing ever since. And then that's like we met the dog scene, not dogging, the dog scene. And then I moved to Lancashire. Uh, that came later. Yeah, years later. Um, and that's 2017, you moved up. Yes. Black Wednesday. <laughs> so yeah, so we um yeah, so we we basically we we've got we have got a family farm where we lamb around six hundred sheep, um small small fry for you guys, um Swaledale sheep, um and, and a few Dale's breads and a few mule things, but um but yeah we do a lot with the dogs as well, training dogs, training people, um yeah that's that type of thing. Until COVID, I used to go away on trips doing clinics regularly, 12 to 14 every year. Uh, but since COVID came and stopped me, I haven't actually gone again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably will do again, but yeah. So yeah, sort of the five years up to COVID, I've done about 170 flights, you know, just going all over the, all over Europe and America doing things and stuff, so yeah. But, yeah, 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 yeah. And we did a little bit of online training during COVID and stuff, so. But yeah, we've got four children. I've got two um, two elder children from my first marriage who are 13 and 11. And then we've got Dylan, who is just with my parents next door. He's the very loud one. Yeah, we thought he, we, didn't want, we, didn't want, uh, we didn't want to show my training expertise with children. Yeah. <laughs> the long line doesn't work as well with him. Um, and then we've got, uh, we've got little Nora who sat next to us here and she is eight weeks. Eight weeks. So yeah, that's us. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Did you guys ever think about doing anything else? No. 
Yeah. We do say occasionally use that if you know if we weren't into the dogs, would we found like another like golf or some other hobby? But I don't know. Yeah. I think because we started so young with the dogs, it's kind of all we've ever known, and yeah. we're that passionate. Yeah. About Nothing else has really come on the scene. So I think I think also the the passion and the um the endurance of going to it so often comes from that little bit of success as well. I think if I you know if I'd done it for a few years when I. When I first started, when I was around 14, so what, 10 years ago now, um, it, I was I was terrible. I was cannon fodder. I was going out with a with a with a poorly trained dog, and I was really bad. Um, and then I was lucky enough when I first left school, um, I bought a little bit. So it was good. A few nurse trials, got a few few tickets. You know, got thirds and fits, and and then a few months later, won one, and that was it. You know, you get that little bit of buzz, that little bit of yeah, yeah, it keeps you there. So. So basically, dog running stops us from tying a belt around our arm. That's long short. So <laughs> just a little bit of buzz. And, and you mentioned before that you grew up on the um, family farm. So a couple of questions here. Who you obviously been around dogs a long time, but when it comes to trolling, who inspired you both? Uh, for me, it was it was two people that I knew because they were very good friends of my parents. Because my parents run dogs um, and still do. One was Julie Hill who's a best friend of my mother. She's still the only woman to win the Supreme. So she's an inspiration in her own right. Um, she's also one of the few trainers that I've come across that can work with the hardest, toughest dog. And then in the space of half an hour, switch down to the most sensitive, softest dog. So for, for me, she was a real inspiration. And then someone called J.R. Thomas, um, who was brutally honest to the point where, you know, he wouldn't really ask a question if you knew him. Um, but he was a tremendous hander and he came from a horse background, so he was just tremendous reading and reading and reading. And oh, yes. right. oh you're quite so, back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, JR Thomas. Thomas, that he was in trotting horses before he was shepherding and then got shepherding. And then, as it happens with shepherds, often they then find a passion for the dogs because they're so well needed, you know, so need well need, you know, so needed, you know, so needed. Um, and he was a very good friend of my father's, so I knew him a lot as a child. Uh, and like I said, his, his honesty was was brutal um, and he was renowned for it. So I found him a great teacher, uh, but also because he worked with horses and then dogs, um, he could read animals incredibly well, incredibly well. So he was quite well. So he was quite inspirational uh, for me in the dog running world anyway. And for me, um, probably because this area of, of Lancashire that we're in, it's quite a hotbed for sheepdog trail enthusiasts and uh, you've got the Longtons you've probably heard of, you've probably heard of and then heard of and then there was the Gorse and the Huddlestons and there's, there's um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a condensed area of, of dog trail people. Um, but my my father's uncle, or my, so my great uncle, was a man called Harry Huddleston um, and he won the English National, he won the English National in 72, English National in 72 with a dog called Udale Sim and then he was reserve supreme that year. And he actually sold Sim a year later, a year or two later to New Zealand. He died on the way out. He died in Singapore. Uh, yeah, just how it happened. Um, so anyway, he was he was influential when I was young in certain was young in certain little things, certain little things he'd say things. But but really, the person who set me off on it was would be my dad, really. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And why is it? Why is there so many? Why is it such a condensed area of dog trailers in around you? What? Why do you think that is? Um, um, well, I think, well, I think, I think for a few reasons. Mainly the sheep numbers. There's a lot of sheep around here. There's a lot of sheep farms around here. Um, there is quite a so back in back when sheep trials started. 
it must have been up somewhere where been up somewhere where some people somewhere where some people started if you're in if you live in a place where there is a lot of trials and you know, accessibility to go to them um but yeah i'd, I'd say sheep numbers number of handling things but it's still the same. it's been the same i mean if you look back in the old magazines if you sat enough like me to look back in the old magazines from the 70s the magazines from the 70s and things from the 70s and things the people were winning a lot from the same from this area as well and i mean this area as in you know within 10 miles you know that that close an area and regularly um you see we've got like if you go an hour south you've got jim cropper um and you um and you've got um and you've got uh you know it was like very famous you've got the longtons and then if even now if you look at the english team regularly is made up from um a large majority of people within an hour of here anyway yeah yeah wow and 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 just like you're okay. no, as i say leading leading from the front right like from the forefront like it's really cool to have and that could only i suppose a lot of these people you have mates as well but it gets pretty competitive and you're only going to get better by having mates that you're competitive with, mates that you're competitive with, right? Competitive with, right? Yeah. Definitely. And we have, um, not necessarily in this area, but we have an, um, a, a group of friends um, who are all based around sheepdog trials. Yeah. Um, so we've got, we, 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 you know, in, in that sort of, you know, in, in that sort of, in that sort of, in our age range and our, um, and our friendship group, there are a no, a numerous people who are very good with the dogs and it drives you on quite a lot. So um, there's people like, well, Michael Longton, who, who's one of the next door neighbours farm. He won the national farm. He won the national in, he won the national in 20, 2004, I think it was. So I actually went to school with Michael just to happen, went to school, you know, and, and Michael's won the national. We're in the same class at, at secondary school. Um, so he's he's been one of my best friends for years. For years. Well, you know what I mean. It's just it's just someone who, I mean, and there's people like um, Jake Reserve National Champion two three years ago. So um, he's from a little bit further. He's a close friend of ours, yeah. isn't he? Um, and then obviously there was a lot of Sergio, Sergio Perella, Sergio Perella who came and Sergio Perella who came and lived with us for two three years as well, uh, who won the national twice. So we, so we we've got quite a close knit unit of friends who basically are all into dogs mainly because we are very boring and all we talk about is dogs so we only have friends who talk so we only have friends who talk about dogs our friends who talk about dogs because people come in and, yeah people people might come in and start talking about you know house prices or inflation or the latest computer game and we'll go oh yeah so do you go so do you guys so do you guys catch up often and train dogs with those people or just catch up at trials? Certainly catch up quite regularly yeah, with them, yeah. you know, WhatsApp groups and talking with them, you know, most days. We have um especially before big trials, we have like training quite nights, don't we? Yeah. So we'll, yeah. So we'll get together. Yeah. So we'll get together and yeah, before like the nursery season, which is where we run our baby dogs, if you like, we'll get together and practice going to different farms locally. Um, so they get away from home and different sheep and, yeah. and that usually involves yeah. uh, barbecues and beer and so it's a social thing as well as a, a training thing but a training thing but predominantly we think but predominantly we probably see them at trials because there are so yeah. many trials yeah. um like the, you know next week we've got three in a week and then four on the weekend so yeah we've got a busy, yeah, busy, we've got a busy week so we're seeing them all the time as well yeah well yeah. in your interaction your, your neighbours, your friends and whatnot. Have you noticed a change in the way people handle 
uh, livestock and their dogs over, say, the last decade or two? I just... <sighs> I mean, I dog, think dog I, farming's definitely changed, and that's I think. I don't know if it has in, in the last decade. I mean, so I've been doing it long enough now to have to be able to think back. You know, I've been doing it like twenty years. You know, a good twenty, well, 20 over twenty years. I started when I was years. I started when I was. I started when I was four, obviously. <laughs> um, but you know, I, and I think what what regularly happens is certain handlers do very well, and then other handlers try to replicate that. Yes. So back when I when I first started when I first started properly going started properly going to many open trials, Jim Cropper had his Sid dog and he was winning. I would say Jim would be winning one one in every two or three trials. He was winning that regular, and he had his he had his way of running his dog. And in this area within the northwest of England, in the northwest of England, if not the north of England, if not the north, many many handlers tried to replicate that um, because it was successful. Now, obviously, we've got Kevin Evans is, you know, the most successful handler at the moment. Many people try and copy Kevin. So we, I do say, I do see changes in handling, changes in handling and the way people handling and the way people run the dogs. And also the types of dog change a little bit as well as, you know, you get a few successful, well-used dogs and a lot of dogs sort of run similar. So the handling has to sort of, sort of um, shadow that. Um, I mean, the... I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it's funny that there's always been this question about, oh, it's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be in the old days. And if you look at the old videos of, of, of some trials, um, you know, maybe the dogs did get away with more roughness and things. And people are very professional now, professional now. Uh, now. Um, and people say that because the sheep aren't shepherded the same now, um, you know, you need a lighter type of dog to keep off them and things, which I think is true up to an extent. However, we still have plenty of trials where the sheep are good, the sheep are heavy, and there's still plenty, and there's still plenty who are doing still plenty who are doing the work during the week, which means we want a dog which has the force still. Um, and what is interesting is, um, so when I was when I was first getting into dogs, which was when I was you know, ten years old or so. Um, like I said, my dad, like I said, my dad was very, like I said, my dad was very much into it when he was young, and he had lots of the old magazines, um, not the dogging ones, but the other <laughs> magazines, and um, they had like they were called the Scottish Sheep Sheepdog Handler, and this from like the seventies, the early seventies, the late sixties, and it was just a little paper, little paper pamphlet, paper pamphlet put together every 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 couple of months, and it had the results from the trials, and it had you know little bits of little articles on on what people are thinking. And the interest go back then and read what they said. And they were all saying the dogs aren't what they used to be. The dogs are too weak. The dogs are too weak. The dog too weak. The dog and you they really could be articles written now, but by a slight different name with like with a different date heading. Because so have dogs got worse? Have handlers got worse? I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I think that I think that I think that dogs I think that dogs are quite regularly like people say that dogs are getting weaker and there aren't the, the, the work dogs out there and i appreciate that however i think a lot of that comes through training i think quite regularly now many people are training just for trials and they're training with the training with the idea with the idea of walking three four five sheep around the trial course which is generally because you're on such a small number whether they're heavy sheep or not 
generally the sheep are going to go the sheep are going to be leaving the dog because they feel under pressure because there's only a small number of them there's only a small number of them small number of them so i think a lot of a lot of trialing tra tra training for trialing is based on keeping the dog off stop 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 stay there give room that you know wide flanks everybody's on the back wide flanks and chasing off the I think quite regularly, the dog is too regularly, the dog is taken out, the dog is taken out of the dog. The, the, the presence and the power is taken out of the dog in those very early stages. A lot of people train on Hebridean sheep, you know, little sheep which run because they keep fresh, you can go out, you can train and train and train. But that's only good up to an extent because at some point the dog needs to learn, some point the dog needs to learn to move, the dog needs to learn to move them. And it, it's like anything, it's like a natural outrun or, or, or the ability to drive. Some dogs have it and some dogs need training it. And that's the same with everything. Some dogs have natural, real power, and some dogs need to show how to do it. And I think that if you and I think that if you train it out, if you train it out of them, and you tell them no, don't walk on, no, stay off, give them room, then they're going to be taught you aren't supposed to move them. So when when you do regularly, when 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 we help put on quite a lot of nursery trials and things, and, and that let a lot of sheep out for it, and you stood at the top of the and you stood at the top of the and the little dogs stood at the top of the and the little dogs come around to the top. And they've been taught, you know, give 20 yards at the top and they go out and stop them. And the sheep don't move and the dog goes out and the dog goes, what now? You know, you can genuinely see, I'm used to getting them and these sheep just going because I trained you. And the dogs don't know what to do. Now, I'm not certain that that's necessarily certain and that's necessarily that the dog is, that's necessarily that the dog is worse so much as the training is. Maybe not as, not as, not as based on work. So getting that balance between training and work for the dog at the right moments of the training, I think is, I think is key. What do you think? Yeah. Yes. 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 You said something very you said something very interesting at the beginning there, Ricky, as well. You you mentioned that shepherding has changed. How has shepherding changed for you guys? Numbers. Well, yeah, numbers, but for us, probably with some of the few that maybe it hasn't, because we're all about the dogs. Um, so we probably would, so we probably would use the dog, probably would use the dogs when other people wouldn't. Uh, over here, there's a lot of you get to people talk about quad bike farming. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know if they have like motorbike type things, something that kind of thing, but quad bikes, and and that you know, we, I've I've seen, I've been to worked on farms where the where the dogs are best, where the where the dogs are barely used, where the dogs are barely used. You know, they'll they'll drive around a field with a quad bike or a van, beeping the horn, all that carry on, and then they'll get the sheep to the pen, and then they let the dog out, which for us is bizarre. Um, so to that extent, it's gone more that way. I think um, I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not that old, so I can't say what they like. Well, I can't say what they like, what they farmed, what they like, what they farmed like years and years ago. But I'm aware that before quad bikes, people walked. They walked with dogs. They sent dogs further because they didn't have time to walk all the way in. So from that side of thing, for me, it's definitely changed. Um, from where I'm from in East Anglia, there's not many sheep farms. Uh, it's quite a, an arable place, an arable place where they an arable place where they where lots of tractor work. Uh, so the farms down there don't rely on dogs as much because the terrain is easy. You can literally drive around your whole field uh, in a quad bike. As we're up here, we've got the, you know rough fell and hill ground. It's different. Um, so there, there is a bit of a divide now. I now you know now you know people. And, and a, a, a big thing which has changed probably in the last 50 years is the numbers. If you, a, a shepherding job back in the day was 300 sheep. You had to look after 300 yeah. sheep and you would drive them up the hill, you'd drive them to the grazing areas, you'd bring them back. Now, now 
now, uh, you know, more Sheffield jobs are 1500 cheap at the least, yeah, at least really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's because of because of market prices for sheep, yes, but it's also because no one wants to do it on a shepherd's wage of you know two pound fifty an hour, you know, so an hour, you know, so but so the you know so but so the shepherd requires a truck, he requires a house, you know, he wants a pension, which is understandable. He wants a proper living. Well, you're not going to get that off two hundred sheep, are you? You know, so so you know someone's paying you to look after the sheep, and he's going to pay you a good wage. You're going to have to look after a lot of sheep. So 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 the. So the the idea that shepherding has changed. So sheep at trials are often um, a little bit wild. You know, generally speaking, it's not often you go and find really heavy, well dog sheep. Um, but that's because they just don't have they don't get handled just as often, just as often. Um, or, they're running, um, or they're running really big mobs, which understandably they're not going to behave the same way when there's four. So. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. But you see, I'm I'm very much of the thought that if you get wild sheep, then your dog still should be taking them. Um, it should be, and, and, and a dog a dog should be able to adjust. The dog should be able to adjust. If you able to adjust, if you rock up at a trial on a Saturday morning and you're on chiviots, which have just been got off the hill and haven't seen a dog for three months, your dog should know to keep off, keep off. You know, better be gentle. And then if you drive to you know drive twenty minutes down the road to another trial, because that's how you know some trials are around here, around here, and you're on some. And you're on some big heavy texels, or well, your dog should know. Oh, oh, I'm gonna to have to be a bit more forceful here, so they should know the difference. Really. That's awesome. You have trials so close to each other and everything. Like, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's, it's different for you guys. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, we're traveling like big kilometers, big kilometers down here, yeah. kilometers down here. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so having six hours yeah, next so weekend, so 1.6 yeah. kilometers to a mile, too. Yeah. So, a couple, couple more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the closest trial for us here, if we don't want to run one locally, is within two hours. And most of the trials we're doing, a, most of the trials we're doing, a, yeah, we're doing a yeah, four or five hours. And then even regionally, like you'll have a bloke drive from the south all the way up to the north, like six hours for a weekend. Like, or a lady, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's honestly, we, we see, um, we, um, we see a two hour, we see a two hour drive is like whether we can be bothered to go. It's that far for us. <laughs> So everything's normally within an hour, five minutes, half an hour. So that's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah, that, and also just touching what you're saying there, a lot of feedback we get from the guests we have on, we have on, they think on, they think dogs have changed a lot too to the detriment of motorbikes. Because yeah. all the, mm. the majority of mustering here used to be done on horseback. Um, but now yeah. obviously, you know, time is money, money is time. So people mm. want to do things a lot quicker. So they're just buzzing around. So they're just buzzing around on bikes, buzzing around on bikes. Like you mentioned, all quads or buggies now. Dogs are jumping off at gateways and you know, they're mustering most of the paddocks. And not everyone, but a lot of them are mustering the big, doing a boundary check at the same time on, on their vehicle, whether it be a bike or a ute or something, or something, a ute a ute utility truck, in case you guys weren't sure. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and a lot of people reckon that's to the detriment of the dog, just like you guys mentioned there. So, yeah, I think I think Meg was correct earlier though when she said we we do it differently. We we do it we do it similarly similarly in that we use bikes and things, but we're always thinking about keeping dogs fit. So, as a little example here, during the lambing period, we lamb most outside. Um, and we catch and individually tag all the lambs and have to get the sheep's number and things. So, so nearly every sheep is caught. Nearly every sheep is caught. A lambing sheep is caught a lambing time outside. But my dogs don't ride on the bike, or very rarely do they. Um, 
And once you've been around for a couple of days, the sheep get used to it. And the reason to do that is because by the end of lambing time, my dog's are fit. Now, if you've got a dog riding on bike all the time, it just pops around the sheep every now, pops around the sheep every now and then, you know, sheep every now and then, you know, what they what 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 often happens is you actually you don't actually get unfit at lambing time because you know it's like you catch a sheep, you lamb it, you turn around, your dog's eating the dead lamb that was left before. So you know they're constantly out eating stuff they shouldn't. So you can get so we so that's just a little example, just a little example. But that's an example. But that's an example whereby while we are farming. Um, similar as anybody i'm trying to keep it look after the dog at the same time yeah yeah that makes sense that's really fair. so is there a message is there a message you'd sort of you'd sort of like to get out into the industry oh what sorry a message a message, message. <laughs> oh i would just do probably very different to yours that's the only so when you say the industry, do you mean the sheep? Mean the sheep industry, or the dog, the sheep industry, or the dog industry, or what? what oh, combination. Oh, yeah. Over here, I give you an example. Like a lot of um, a lot of people are still critical about the way dogs are looked after on properties. Um, so we get a, a yeah. lot about animal welfare and how you know your dog's an important part, important part of important part of not just a tool, but a member of your family in some degree. You know, so. Some people yeah. talk about that. Some people talk about stockmanship. Um, what, what's something you'd like to see change within the dog industry over in the UK? People could do better with their That's dogs. That's probably a better way. Yeah. Or probably a better way yeah. of wording. Way yeah. of wording. Word, yeah. yeah, I mean, that my my one of one of my um, don't don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of high horses. We like to get on, haven't we? Yeah. We have got a lot of soapboxes. <laughs> but um, but one of mine is that um, looking after the sheep. So I the sheep. So I uh, so I um, it's it's come to a stage a little bit with us where sheep are obviously there are farming and that, but there is a little bit of a hobby as well, which which your sheep need to be if you care. So we breed Swaledales, um, and I would love to breed. As much as I'm passionate about dogs, I would. I'm passionate about dogs. I would love to have dogs. I would love to breed the, a champion top. You know, a champion ram. That's what I would love Those, to do. Those aren't just for me. No, they're not just for me. You know, they're for the actual quality. So it's all about. Oh, man, now you've opened up a kind of one. So it's about. It's about the type of hair they have and the colour and there's, there's loads of it. You know, so you know, so so. But, but what I think some people forget who are in the dog world, in, just in the sheep dog world is that the reason we have these dogs is to make the sheep's life better. So the idea is that we have a dog to make our work easier. So, and that's how it, so, and that's how it all started. And that's how it all started. That's how it started a hundred years ago or, or more, 150 years ago, was that who's got the better shepherd's dog and the shepherd's dog was there to make the shepherd's life easier and therefore the sheep's life better. But now what we have is we have people who, People who have people who have sheep because they have dogs, not the other way around. So they have sheep because I've got a dog. I want to train it. Right, sheep. Your job is to be chased by this dog, and that's what they do. And you'll see videos on Facebook of abuse where the puppies hanging on sheep and dogs on sheep and dogs sheep and dogs showing power where they're just raw. <laughs> and while I love videos which genuinely show in a work environment a dog with the real. I love them. The one which is just for a, for for that. Look at my dog, isn't it amazing? Look at my dog, isn't it amazing? Dog, isn't it amazing? I hate that. And also at trialing as well. Often people forget to look after the actual sheep, you know. And and, and I think especially when trialing, we need to remember that because often these sheep are being lent to us by people who don't trial. 
So we, so we need to be, so we need to be looking after that sheep. Absolutely, good message. It's, we it's, say it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely it's amazing how similar a lot of what you're saying is over here as well. Yeah. Um, um, what's the um, what's the importance to you guys of pressure relief work and low low stress stock handling? And can you give us a quick rundown on the basic offer our viewers in the industry or what your take is on that? As in, sort of, what is it? Well, it's probably you've just well, it's probably you've just touched about. Probably you've just touched about actually, haven't you? As in, like not abusing the abusing stock and making sure that you've got the pressure right. Yeah, pressure, keeping it low, benefit of a of you know, a lot of stress to your stock. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, we are, I mean, we are. We probably, we probably sort of. It's quite rare that you, you find farmers that, that are, are really, really doggy. Um, so we're we're kind of in an interesting position there. Um, you, you know, you get some farmers that barely use their dogs, and when they do use their dogs, it's like rough. You know, like just hounding sheep about from pillar, hounding sheep about from pillar to post, about from pillar to post. Um, and then you get some farmers that that don't use their dogs at all. You know, they like sit in a kennel, which is which is also bizarre. You know, why have them? Um, but for us, I mean, there are times when we, when we get stuff done and the dogs have to put pressure on sheep. Um, but it, but it's also for us, like we said, it's really for us, like we said, it's really important. So it's really important that they don't put pressure on necessarily. And if we have a, if we have a sheep that's really behaving badly, then if they want to go to a war with one of my dogs, they can, you know, and they'll, they'll fight it out fine. But I don't like to see my dogs be unnecessarily rough when it's not called for. Um, for um, I think. Um, I think people underestimate the conversations between sheep and dogs um, when they're correct, when they're right. You know, sometimes there is no conversation, but you know, there, there should be there should be a few seconds where there is a conversation. And if the sheep say fine, then the dog should let it go. You know, there shouldn't be any of this rushing in and hang, rushing in and hanging on the back, rushing in and hanging on the back leg and that kind of stuff. Um, so for us, for, for me particularly, I like to see the conversation and I like the, the sheep to either answer the dog, and if it doesn't answer the dog, then the dog is within its rights to insist. Um, but then you're really fussy on how they insist. We don't like them to insist by insist by hang by hanging on anywhere, and especially the back end of a sheep. We don't like to see that. We call that dirty. Yeah, I don't you like know, it. Yeah, I don't like dirty. But if but if a sheep comes at a dog, um, I do not expect my dog to get out of the way at all. You know, for whatever reason, if it comes at it because it's even if it comes at it because it's even if it comes at it because it's in the wrong if it comes at it because it's in the wrong place. I expect if my dog's put itself there, I expect it to hold its ground. Um, but it's you know it's there are situations where maybe I let my dogs be a bit rough because like I said we're trying to get them in a pen or you're trying to catch something if you've got a ewe with a with a, a lamb coming backwards at times like at times like that it's a bit at times like that it's a bit like we'll do whatever's necessary we need to catch it um, but we are we do we do put sheep welfare probably very highly on our on our list of things to worry about. Very well. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the current team you guys have there at the moment, team of dogs? Yeah, um, so we have four that are our top team, don't we? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we have three uh, in our top team, eight in our top team, each team, each, but we try and focus on just two because we find that we can't get the fitness and the training you know, for all three. Uh, it, it requires a lot of dedication. Um, so to have two each, Probably is is our our, our maximum our, our maximum amount really maximum amount really. I have two bitches, um, Katie and Sophie. 
uh, both of which are our, our, our bloodlines um, predominantly. Katie is six, I think so she's five now. Uh, they're very different. Uh, they are they are trained. They do run brace, but I do run brace. But I focus but I focus on them in singles because brace training is uh, requires a lot more um, to run two at the same time. Obviously, requires more thought process. Um, but they're, yeah, they're both they're both very different. I can play to their weaknesses and strengths. Um, they're actually chalk and cheese in, in many ways. In many ways, um, ways. Um, but I'm very lucky to have them. Uh, Katie, for me, probably um, is is the better trial dog if you want to, if you want to go down that route and Sophie is a better work dog um and like I said I can play to their their strengths and weaknesses um but yeah they're my two yeah and, yeah and then and then yeah so Katie Katie is um by Jennifer Rockland Ben who um won the Irish National twice and was reserved supreme and then Katie's mother is a bitch called Morag and Morag was sister to my jock that won the supreme supreme um, and then Sophie is a daughter of my jock, and Meg's Ember, which is a sable bitch you may have seen on the page, a little brown bitch. She looks like a Kelpie. <laughs> yeah, and then um, and then my two are Jonah, who is um, he's just three year old. He's a son of Sweep. He's a son of Sweep. He's a son of Sweep, um, my old dog. And his mother was a sister to Diehouse Nip, a famous dog in Wales. And then my bitch is Moya, and she's a daughter of Jock yeah. again. Um, Jock really should still be here, but um, he would only be nine now. But unfortunately, he got twisted, got twisted up two years, got twisted up two years ago, and we found him, we found him dead in the trail one morning. It was just seven, so that was a heartbreaking time. So. I haven't said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So if that hadn't happened to Jock, so yeah, 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 but yeah, so that's that's where that's where we are, and then and then young dog wise, I mean Meg mentioned that we tend to only have two open dogs each, unless we get unless one's coming to the end of its career, you know, and then you have your third one. Yeah, we try and line one up to take. Yeah, but time. we're constantly bringing dogs up, constantly bringing dogs up, dogs up, up to that level, and then if they aren't better than what we've got, or we've, you know, we've got that relationship with the two that we've got, then we'll we'll sell them. Um, yeah. So. Like at the moment, we've probably got um, four or five sort of sort of dogs, which, sort of dogs which might be nursery dogs this time. So another three or four months, we'll be ready for the nursery season, um, and then we'll probably sell one or two of them before the nurseries, and then hopefully run one or two of them, and then this time next year, next year after nurseries, sell sell some again, sell sell some again, so sell some again. So we're constantly bringing dogs up, and I don't like to have more than two. You know, real fully trained dogs because um, a lot of my theories on training and keeping the dogs correct are based on work, and there's only a certain amount of work I have. So if I've got two dogs which are given, are given quite a bit of quite a bit of work to, and then I've got two or three others that are coming through and they need that experience, you end up you end up with someone getting left at home, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I had a I had a really good dog last year called Joe, who at this time last year I wasn't sure if Joe or Joan was going to make it with me. Um, and then I um, and then I ran him through the and then I ran him through the through the summer and chose chose Joan and I was really thinking about keeping Joe because he wasn't my bloodline and he was breeding quite nicely, but it just was ending up that one wasn't getting out as much you know one wasn't being taken or um, and um, yeah and I fancied yeah and I fancied making a few and I fancied making a few quids I sold him <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah so that was so it is 
hard to find time for um, that many dogs that are there, that many dogs that are there peaking their sort of their peak in their career. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 it is very much about the work for 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 our theory of how to keep dogs correct. It's not like we go out with like those four dogs we've just mentioned. We don't go out into a training field and train them, field and train them. It's not, it's not, you know, not now, you know, once the train, once you've, you know, you're doing well with them. Occasionally, maybe before the national, something you might go out and just do a little bit of shedding, just make sure that they're absolutely bang on point. Or maybe, you know, maybe if a, a problem develops at like stopping short in the outrun or something, you might just pop, pop back into the train field, just have a back into the train field, just have a work, work at the field, just have a work, work, work at But week in, week out, they don't go in the training field, they just go to work. So, yeah, that's, that's why we're never overdogged with with old dogs, yeah. So there's a question here from um, Daniel Wenzo. When preparing for a big trial like the trial like the international like the international that has a double gather, can a dog be trained for the look back and double gather in a small area, or do you need to replicate the same outrun distances and amount of sheep as the international trial? Um, so, um, so, so. You can train certainly in a smaller area. I mean, like the the international that Jock won, it's probably a thousand yard the first out when it was massive. And and while on our fell ground, yeah, occasionally they do they go that they go they do go that far. It's not something, then it's not some, it's not something that I have ready access. People do. But when you're training, certainly if, if we're talking about the look back, when a dog looks back, when when you're training a, a double gather and the dog's turning back and going. You want to be teaching the dog to go with to go with real with real scope, and they're going because, and they're going to go as far as it takes. Whether that's two hundred meters, two thousand meters, it doesn't matter. The dog should be going. Now, you, everything I train, everything we train, is all trained at hand. It's all trained at small distances. Distances, you get it, you get it correct at a small distance, and then it's correct at a big difference. So, I always say that if you if you train a dog. And, and this is for any of any um, anything a dog does. If you train a dog something that isn't quite right at hand, you know, and, and uh, by, you know, and, and uh, by at hand, and uh, by at hand, I mean, you know, let's say within a hundred yards or so. If it isn't quite right, if, if there's something there, you think, oh, it's near enough, and you're hoping that it is. Well, you times that by distance, and it gets worse. You know what? You have a fault at hand, it gets worse at distance, and that's distance, and that's the same. And that's the same if it's so if it's perfect at hand, it's perfect at distance. They don't they don't take the piss. They don't do things, you know, they don't try and sorry, yeah. No, that's all good. No, that's okay. They, you know, they don't try to um push boundaries. <laughs> so um, um, you know, you know, but if you don't if you have a little problem in a dog at short distance, then it tends to get worse at big distance. And 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 that's the same with the look back. And I appreciate that if you've only got a small Hundred by hundred paddock. Yes, to, to teach the turn back is going to teach the turn back is going to be tricky. Turn back is going to be tricky because they'll turn around and they'll see them. You know, it's as much about going when they can't see them and they don't know where they're going. It's about having that, that attitude for going to find stock because you've redirected. So we've got a little piece just out here. Um, 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 I don't know how close this is. About, about twenty acres, something like that. But it's a very rocky, hilly field that's really, really undulating. And when you're on it, you can't see more than 20 yards at once. And the dogs have got to, if you turn dog back, they might only be 60 meters away, but they won't be able to see them until they get on them. 
So that's a great place, a great place to teach them to turn back and go because they don't know where they are. And it's, yeah, where there are, you could go on a lovely big clean field and, and you turn your dog back 200 yards, but they can yards, but they can see it, but they can see it. That's not actually teaching them any better than the one where the dog's turn around and going, and they're going because you've told them, and you because they go, oh, you've told me, so there's something there, rather than I'm going, oh, there they are. Because when I teach turn back, I'm not, some people teach the dog to turn and look, and sort of stand there looking for the sheep and then go, looking for the sheep and then go, I and then go. I don't teach that, because often they're going without, so there's no point the dog turning around and looking, because I want, I, I want them to turn around blind and go, because I've told them to. Go, yeah. you told me to see that there, I'm going. I'm not going to turn around, look, it's make the decision I'm going to go, yeah. decision I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah go, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You see those, they're like, no, they're not yeah, 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 and they sort of turn around and then you give them a command and they come back onto the first packet. That's, I hate that. I want the dog, when I've taught it, to go, look back, go, and he goes, up, oh, go, bang, gone. Yeah. Because you've taught me, you've told me, taught me, you've told me there's some sheep, you've told me there's some sheep there, I believe there's some sheep there, I'm going. I'm not turning around and starting a negotiation about <laughs> am I going to go or not. I'm going because it's helpful. You know, so, yeah. so anyway, that, that's, that's what I'd say about that. I think, I think also talking about that, I wasn't always aware until I started to remove my parent and train with you, you have to really train for these events. You know, it's, there's a lot of people that think that one can, can do all the work it needs, and that's true. But then if you don't prepare, if you don't prepare your dog in some way, you may well fail. You may well fail. The chances are failed. The chances are that you are likely to fail. So it's all well and good to say, well, my dog knows how to shed. But it, it, unless you prepare and continue to remind your dog how to do it properly, um, and, like, and like you said, sometimes they all of a sudden they just start doing something weird. So whilst, yes, you can teach your dog to look back in a small area, and, and yes, you can maybe, and, and yes, you can maybe teach your dog, you can maybe teach your dog to do two double lifts on, on two groups of five sheep and, and all that kind of stuff. If you want to go to a double lift and, and succeed, really you need to know what your dog is going to do so if yeah. you can't train in that environment or, or you haven't trained at home or, or, you, or you're just going to wing it or swing it as some people do as some people do you can't be surprised if it doesn't really go to plan i think you yeah. know and the, and the preparation for the suit you know i mean when we're talking about the international we're talking about that supreme course you know the big course where the, the preparation for that starts very early very early like i've got like I've got, so I've got a young dog here called Jim, who I quite like a lot. He'll be a nurse dog this time. He's been prepared for international courses now. He's been taught to turn back now, you know, and he's, he's, he's only 18 months old. And he's been taught it so as it's natural to him when it does happen, natural to him when it does happen, when it does happen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, with, with this dog, I'm certainly hoping I'll go out in nurseries and have some fun in the nurseries, but the nurseries are only a stepping stone up to, to go to some opens, and they're a stepping stone to the national, which is stepping stone to it. And it's all every every dog I take out, I take out, out, and it's been the same since I first started training dogs. It's about winning the international. And I've only done it once and I want to do it again. And, and when I did it, that was the culmination of everything I've done with dogs. Every time I take a young dog out, it's in the back of my mind. It's in the back of my mind. I want an in the back of my mind, I want an international dog. That's yeah. what it's about. Growing up which I did do, supposedly. <laughs> My dad had these magazines that I told you about, and they often had the picture of the shield, the picture of the Supreme Shield. And I used to look at... That picture, go, wow, can you imagine winning it? How can I win it? I went to bed at night, when I woke up in the morning, came in my head very quickly. 
how do you do it? What we're going to do? Will this dog do it? And it, that's how much of a passion it was. It wasn't some slight whim. It was like, it was like, it was like a slight obsession. So when I did win it, I mean, it blew my mind for for for, for months, to be honest. And I, and and it, yeah, it's four years ago now. So I'm getting that hunger again. But every time you take a dog out, a dog out, every time, every time I take a young dog out. I'm wanting to see the development, thinking about that. I'm not going to say every time I take six months before, oh no, it's, it's not going to do this, so I can't win international. However, the basis of what I'm training from that very early age comes down to doing it on those big courses, those big courses, courses. And that's, so that's when you say, can you, can you train dog for the international, you know, on little places? I'm sure you can, but you have to be pretty damn dedicated. You know, you don't do this. It's quite funny when you go to the national and you get in the team and you stand there for the team photo and you'll hear people saying and you'll hear people saying oh we're going to, have to hear people saying oh we're going to, have to start practicing some double gathers and you think too late too yeah. late six weeks you know your dog should be able to do it you know six months ago not um, I read an article with Gwyn Penmacno who is a, a tremendous fan and he he sort of talked about his year with his dogs and he, said, he mentioned like his dogs and he, said, he mentioned like he mentioned like oh in May I might start going and doing a couple of big turn backs in May so you know he's preparing six months before you know so and and if you look at uh, Kevin's you know a, a great example on Allard Kevin Evans sorry Allard Owen their dogs are prepared you know that you know that they don't you know that they don't they don't go out there wondering oh will it do this will it do that they know what might happen and they know how to address it when it does happen one thing one thing i will say and it's a, a little thing i say on clinics is hope is a terrible emotion when you don't trial in do not trial in do not hope do not hope if you're hoping it's not going to happen be proactive and be ready so it's you know when you go out and train for for big events and things you're not just going out and training so it goes well you're going out so as if it goes badly you can address it and you can change it you know, you know, there's no, point, you know, there's no point going out there and going, oh, look at that. My dog's gone 800 yards. Perfect. He can do it international. You want to go out there and go, my dog hasn't gone 800 yards, but I've blown it three times and he's got there. You know, that's the real preparation. It's knowing how to get out of a little hole or your dog having the, your dog having the, 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 the it, it trained in there and experience in there. So when it does start going wrong or something happens, it knows you know what to do, and it knows what you mean when you tell it what to do. Yeah, I was brought up with men that I I grew up with horses, and horses, and one thing this one thing this bloke always said to us was the ribbons were won at home, and you go to the show to collect them. And I think you yeah, virtually just said that in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's that is that is. That is pretty true. I mean, I mean, the, one of the, the sort of one of the, the sort of bit the best the, the sort of bit the best trial other than the national series is Deer Play. I don't know if you've heard of Deer Play Hill trial, but it's it's a it's a big old course, and I've I've won that five times. I won it last four years in a row. But the reason I've won it is because I know exactly how to win it, and my dogs know that type of terrain, type of terrain, terrain, and it, it is it is pretty much that. I'm, I've not gone and got lucky four times. I've gone with a dog that can do it, and can and and not got and and I'll be honest with you. When you go to the post at these big trials, you've got those, you've got that nerve, you've got that nerves because it's a big event. But those nerves are there not because oh shit, what might happen? They're there because oh good, know what might happen? Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's and that's and that's that's the feeling you want to have. Yeah, yeah. 
I definitely, yeah, I think you, yeah, hit the nerves on the head there. It's, yeah. Yeah. And we've spoken yeah, a bit about your dog. Do you have a, a style or a type of dog that you prefer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and all, all our four dogs that we have now, and then if we add into that mix, Jock, who unfortunately died, Sweep, who's Jock's father, and Sweep's in oh, all, yeah. the breed of all our breed. Um, uh, and then Wendell, that, and a few dogs of that, and a few dogs of that, and a few dogs of The dogs we like are dogs which hold themselves stylish, but yet they hold themselves stylish because they're concentrating, because they're wanting to feel the sheep. Some dogs hold themselves stylish because it's kind of like, oh, this is how I stand, oh, this is how I stand, from the head down, my stand, from the head down, my tail down. But they don't actually have that bit of thing in the head which makes them. Sergio, who, the, 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 our Spanish friend, we this sort of conversation we're having now, we would have three times a week. You know, we were incredibly boring. <laughs> but, Sergio, but, Sergio said some, but Sergio said something, and, and he's totally right. He says, dogs have to be able to play the piano. They've got to have hands. Yeah. The dog, the dog should be able to go from there, 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 like that. You know, feeling the sheep moving down here, moving a full octave, moving a little, a little semitone or two. Some dogs, have, some dogs have fists. Some dogs have fists, and they, they walk forward. Oh, they go forward, and they don't have that little bit in between. And we like dogs which have that bit in between. Feel, yeah. you know, as they walk toward when a sheep walks, when a dog walks towards sheep, it shouldn't just go. You told me to walk on, therefore I will walk on. They should go, he's told me to walk on, but oh, I better take one step. Yeah, and then another, oh, oh and then you're gonna move. So I'm gonna I wanna see that. I wanna see that little bit of that little bit of feel. And then the big thing I want is a dog which has that face, face to a sheep, face to a sheep. You know, if a sheep turns on it and wants to have a go, it goes, you're not gonna get past me. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and 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 but also I don't like dirt. I don't like I don't like cheap shots. A dog a dog really should never bite wool. It should only bite hair, bite hair. And so if, and so if a sheep has a go at it, it should bite hair. And and but what would you is is that covered? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the one thing that I'm I'm really big on is I like I like heart and courage. Um, I appreciate I appreciate that some things that dogs struggle with or 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 or, or, or uh, it doesn't come natural to them you know like i said my two are very different and they they definitely have strengths and weaknesses and, and i can play on both and, and maneuver them to to achieve um but if they haven't got heart and that real desire that when it's really going badly they get stuck in and they try for me i don't i don't really care what they look i don't, I don't really care what they look like I really care what they look like um or what they do if they haven't got that then for me it's no go I'm just glad I've got a heart. That's all. I <laughs> <laughs> heart and the looks. I'm guessing she's thinking. Um, and appearance. -wise, I was gonna say appearance wise. Um, you know, I'm in a get mine. You know, I'm in a get mine. I'm I'm in a get mine. I'm both mine are very similar. You know, I, I, we do like the I like the you know smooth coat more than the rough coat. Uh, you know, I quite like prick or nice ears. But like I said, to be honest, if I've got a bond with a dog and it, and it does what I want and it's got that real heart um, and it tries for me. It could look like a poodle, really, for like poodle, really, for like a really, for like a you know, the, the ability and temperament. Is, yeah, what makes us about heart is a thousand percent. You know, I mean, I talk about power a lot and things like that, but I would rather I, had, I would rather have a dog which is a little bit weak, but had a big heart and tried, than a yeah. dog that had all the yeah. in the world, but occasionally just couldn't be asked. You know, I mean, I hate that. I mean, I hate that. I hate that. As a, a friend of mine had a dog and he called it a union dog. He said, oh yeah, it worked most days, but every now and then the union pulled him. And you know, that's not a dog. 
I can't stand. You know, I want my dog genuinely. I want the type of dog that if I kept working on a hot day would die. Yeah. You know, I don't want it. I don't want it because I was able. I mean, the one that just won't quit will keep going. And 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 that's absolutely yeah. You can see a lot in dogs' eyes. You can see a lot of honest. I want an honest dog. I would if a dog's got a fault, it doesn't bother me as long as he does it next to me. I hate dogs. I hate dogs. Dogs that do a dirty bit a hundred yard away and then they get near you and they're perfect. And it's like they've got that little sly look. I, I, I don't like dishonesty in any walk of life, and especially yeah. dogs. And do you think that is genetic or? Can you get some of that? Can you get some of that out with some of that out with training? I think the heart is genetic. Yeah, I think the heart is genetic, and, and to some extent the nature as well. Yeah. Um, I think some things in the nature can be made better or worse. You know, like particularly if you've got a shire line and and it never leaves a kennel for two years, and then you wonder why it's and then you wonder why it's afraid of people. Wonder why it's afraid of people. I think that can be you know managed. Um, but I think things like real lack of heart, lack of courage. I think whether it's genetic or whether it's just they're made that way, I'm not sure. I think you can only do so much because I think really when push comes to shove, they always they are they always they are what they are. Always they are what they are. You know, they can't step up and they can't overcome, you know, a massive fear of something or so nature versus nurture, and we talk about that a lot as well. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not an exact science, is it? It's difficult to know. Um but definitely for me, I think I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't be wanting to breed off a dog that didn't have a dog that didn't have any heart, didn't have any heart that way problem when you've got dogs which nature by nature we mean don't necessarily mean that they bite somebody i mean more their their aptitude to us you know and their their ability to be yeah. trained and the, the heart is, is the heart is, is the big one we come is, is the big one we come back to courage and everything else so we talk about you know when we talk about nature we talk about the, the actual thing which is in the dog if that's not quite right and it isn't a real trier it'll show it when it's working it'll show it at some point and they tend to show it at them big trials. You know, big trials. You know that bit where you know that bit where, where I'm saying, oh, you know, <clears throat> you go to the post and you know what you're going to get. Those ones that heart and the nature isn't right, do that thing that you're not expecting because they just don't have that real, you know. I had a dog. I'll not mention who it was because I sold it to someone who did quite well with it. But I had a dog with it. But I had a dog which I had a dog which which had all the power in the world. Genuinely, he was he was he was he was quite free-eyed and he used to walk up to stuff. And if sheep ran him clean as a whistling bite him on the nose, you know, it was really good that way. He also had a tremendous outrun, all that sort of stuff, all that sort of stuff, all that sort of stuff. But if he didn't want to, he wouldn't. I remember one day I put him, I decided to sell him. It was when I was way shepherding and I put him up quite a big piece. And there was some sheep in some rough ground and we'd seen him. But, you know, you knew they were there somewhere and you kind of put your dog there, don't you? And then hope he sort of turns up with him or turns up with him. And I grabbed him. And I remember it, I gave him a turn back whistle, you know, turn out whistle, he took it, and I gave him another one, he took it, and I gave him another one, and he came in and he sort of turned around, looked at me and had these big ears, and he sort of looked down the field at me, and I gave him another one, he sort of went, looked up the field a bit, and back down at me, and he's like, what? And I was like, I, I, oh, I, oh, I hated it because he didn't he didn't want it. it and, and it was the same with sheep. They'd run at him twice or three times, and he'd dab them, dab, and then the fourth time he'd go, oh, I can't do it. You know, and it's just yeah. that little bit of that bit of oh, I don't want it. And you're like, yes, you can, because you've just bloody done it, bloody done it, but you didn't, but you didn't want it. And 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 it was, and a lot of people, I had two dogs at a time, and it surprised a lot of people. This is quite a few years ago, quite a lot. Of, it surprised quite a lot of people that I kept the other one because the other one had, had more sort of problems, but his heart was tremendous, and he ended up being a, 
it, well, he was Wendell Roy. He was he was Wendell Roy. He was Sweep's father. Roy, he was Sweep's father who who did really well. But yeah, that little bit of mm, I don't I don't want to I don't want to give you that. And you know, it's like if if forget trials. If you've been working your dog and it's hot and you're getting in towards the pens and the dogs are tired and the dogs are tired and the sheep are getting tired and the sheep are getting close and then you get a lamb break back. That's when you're saying to the dog, now you're tired, now you've done it all and then you've got a lamb breaking back, go and get it. You're going to have to go faster than you've gone and the dog that doesn't want to go or the dog that runs after him and does an easy bite, oh, bite, oh, get the, oh, get the gun. <laughs> Oh, I remember it. Hey, mate, um, do you guys have, um, or who were the most influential dogs for both of you to get you to where you are today? Like, who did you learn the most from, or who really helped? Who really helped you get? Who really helped you get to where you stand today? Um, I, don't, I mean, I was very fortunate. I grew up, you know, with some really good, solid work dogs. Um, dogs that probably gave me a passion for work dogs more than trialing in a way. Um, like my mum had a had a great dog. Mum had a had a great dog who was who had a great dog who was who was impossible to train, and she stuck at it. Uh, and then as a, as a work dog, it was it was tremendous. You know, like he could. We have a thing over here called like fly stripe, which is like maggots. I presume you get it over there. I don't know not much about yeah. Australian sheep farming. Um, and he would, you know, you'd be walking through sheep, and he would lock on to one that had on to one that had maggots. Had maggots. He knew the smell. He knew it was that type of dog. It's capable of that type of thing for me really inspired me so I'm very much about the work dog and I like to see my dogs um achieve at work just as much as I do on the trial field really but I mean talk about great dogs we just talk about it great dogs we just talk about it before here we talk about it before here we um a bitch called Becca James Biggest Becca um I really really liked her really rated her but it, it's very difficult to know because you don't know those dogs as well as your own um it's very difficult to be inspired by the dog versus a handler uh, we get that all the time here how much get that all the time here how much is a dog and i'm here how much is a dog and how much is a handler um but i think it's it's uh, out of my own dogs uh i'm not sure really they've all had i'd say the ones that i've kept uh indefinitely the ones that i've never parted with they probably all um had some had some impact on, had some impact on me one more or another in that i'm very you know i'm very lucky the one that I probably really <laughs> taught me a lot about uh dogs in general was a bitch called gypsy um she i think she was about my fourth or fifth dog she had no confidence as a as a young dog as a as a young dog would not look as a young dog would not look at look at she the face so she'd near enough turn around and reverse you know she and, and, and me and my ignorance i was only a teenager i hated her you know i wanted to sell her she had for me she had no there was no power she looked weak as anything uh, and then my main bitch got injured at lambing time and I had to take Gypsy, Gypsy, and she just, and she just, just changed, like, unbelievably so. All those faults that she had yeah. through work, through work experience, they just came right. Um, and from then on, we hit it off and we were joined at the hip after that, you know, never, we were inseparable. So she probably taught me the most. So for me, I think that dog in itself taught me the most about, taught me the most about not to, about, not to quit on a dog that's young, like they display these faults when they're young but they can develop and change um and again through training and through experience you can fix things that you didn't realize you can fix so i think for me her she was probably my most important dog uh, my, uh, my most uh, my most important uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to put a, a finger on it i've been i've been incredibly lucky um with what with what i've had um the old wendell roy that we're talking about just a moment ago so because he's the, the father of of, of our line, of our line, line. Yeah, he changed. He changed my 
he taught me a lot about dogs' ability to hold balance um, because he was not a flanker. He never flanked once in his life. But he would win on light sheep, he would win on heavy sheep because he knew where to be. He was in the right where to be. He was in the right place. He was in the right place. And his son Sweep is probably one of the most famous dogs England's ever produced. And I was he's still alive now. He's he's 14 and a half and he's deaf and blind. And uh, he's an absolute gentleman. And he would win as as much as any dog was ever been. As much as any dog was ever been. Dog was ever been. And then I then I'd jock his son who won the Supreme and the National. I've been I've been very lucky, but well, you, you could probably trace it back really to Wendell Roy because he changed me as a handler. He changed me and opened my eyes to letting a dog work, letting let dog work, let, letting a dog hold, let, letting a dog hold balance, even on light sheep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could wax lyrical about about how lucky I've been with them and what what they've won. I mean, yeah, what they've won is um, is part of the story. But just who they were as 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 men as as men as men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think I think it's easy to, to take them for granted when you get good ones as well. Because but when I lost Jock, um, it, it, I was heart, it, I was heartbroken for well for over a year anyway, and it's it's not even two years now, and I and I mean that genuinely heartbroken. Um, it made me. It made me wonder how people ever lose a child and get over it, because you know, it, it, it was, and, I, and I, obviously, and I, obviously, I love my children far more than my dogs, but it hurt me. It made you wonder. Yeah. So the 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 thing is, like, they become part of you when when you're working with them all the time. These special dogs, the ones that you keep forever, and forever. And 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 the, you know those dogs that that took me to where they did, they, they, they do become part of you. And it, and 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 I could like when Jock died, I said to someone, I could have opinions on other people's dogs, because they'd say because they'd say and and they'd say and and and, and yeah, I mean negative opinions. And if they said yeah, well, what, how can we have that opinion? And I could go because of this, because this is how it should be done. You, you know that's how. He was, he was like my DNA of dog running. His father sweep and because he because his power because his power was genuine. Sweep and jock, they never got disqualified at a trial and they never and they never got stuck at a trial because they had the absolute genuine power where they could move sheep, but they also won loads. Cause so they were exactly what I would been hoping exactly what I would been hoping to get. I would been hoping to get. And then he got cut short at seven. So it you know. I could talk and talk and talk about them and stuff the stuff they did at home and stuff, you know. It, it, but it's easy, it's with the trial and you can actually put a you can actually put a title to what they've done, can't you? At home it's hard at home it's hard sort of saying home it's hard sort of saying you know, you know, best caught sheep and the lambing field twenty seventeen or something, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. You can sort of say a trial. So um but yeah, so yeah, we've been we've been very lucky and and and, and we're lucky with these we're lucky with these four we've got. We're lucky with these four we've got now. They're just the same stamp. The same. Like Meg says, her dogs are very different. They are, but the actual basis of the dog, the fundamental points, are the same. Yes, the flanks are different and the bits and pieces. But the actual fundamentals yeah. of what a dog should be is exactly the same. And they all come back from jock sweep, come back from jock sweep, and then and then jock sweep, and then and then Wendell Roy ahead of them. You guys are very um, deep and intimate with your dogs, eh? I I, I can feel the passion. 
You're scratching the surface, mate. You're scratching the surface, that's all. Seriously, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. It's been an hour and hour. It's been an hour and hour. I could sit an hour and hour. I could sit here for another six. There's another question. You guys did, but I, I wrote a poem about sweep. I don't know if you ever saw that poem that I wrote about sweep. But that's no, I haven't. Okay, well. If you look on Little Dale Sheepdogs, I look on Little Dale Sheepdogs, I mean, we haven't shown Sheepdogs, I mean, we haven't shown, it's it two years ago since I wrote it. That shows what I think about. I can't, I can't, I, it was, I've never ever done one before and, and, and it was just something that I did one day about him and that, yeah, just, just have a look at that and that tells you what I think about. You'll, you'll have to share that, you'll have to share that. You'll have to share that. You send it, mate, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another question, sweet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another question here from Daniel Lenzo. If a dog has a slight weakness in one particular area, particular area, particular area, can it be detrimental to focus a lot more on that area of weakness? That's a good question. I think it depends on the weakness yeah, as well. Yeah, it does. Mm. I, th I think if, if when you've got... When you've got a dog, certainly this is what we're like anyway. If you've got a dog and you like it, again, I'm talking about that fundamental thing, that thing about a dog. When you take it out, you enjoy taking it, enjoy it, and, and you like the dog. And But it has a fault. Well, that's, well, that's, for you to, well, that's for you to try and make it better. But try and concentrate on the good things. Because if you like the dog, you're halfway there. You know, I've had loads of dogs, which I've had loads of talent. I don't like them, There's, you know. There's certain things that they can't do, I, I can't abide. Whether it's like, well, actually, when was a good example, isn't it? When did, I'll talk about when again. He's for one, for one year, he, he couldn't do a proper outrun. He got one open place in a year and he stopped on his outrun all the time. And I don't just mean a little bit, I mean, he was peeping from 20 yards away, from 20 yards away. It was a yard away. It was embarrassing. And people were laughing about him. It was terrible. It was awful. Shocking. And then we worked at him. But when he got there, he was lovely. And I loved his passion and loved his style and his power and everything. Like, I proper loved the dog. And, yes, he had a terrible outrun. And I never fixed it 100%. Fixed it 100%. But I got it. But I got it a lot better. I got it really right. And he went out and he ended up winning 30 Opens. He got the English team twice. And he won the international race twice. And that was because if I'd focused on the outrun and just let it get to me too much, like everybody else wants to, then... Then, uh, then um, I would have sold him, but I didn't because of because I loved what he was. I loved the other, the other bits. You know, like a top trump. Do you remember top trumps? The cards. I don't know if you ever have that in Australia. You know where you have like a list of. Do you know what I'm on about? Okay, it's like it's like a pack of cards, cards, and let's say, and let's say it's a top trumps on sports cards. So you all have a different sports. It's got little um, categories, and you have a game where you say, oh. Um, um, you know, number of seats, six. You've got, oh, number of seats, five, and you have to give me your card. It's a silly little kid's game. If you do that about dogs, you do that about dogs, and you dogs, and you add up the little bits, and you say, like, power, eight out of ten. Outrun, with, with, with Roy, two out of ten. But, you know, with, with Roy, he was he was ten out of ten for some bits, but it was two out of ten for some of it. So a lot of people have gone, oh, I'd rather have a six out of ten of everything. Well, I didn't want a, well, I didn't want a six out of ten. Well, I didn't want a six out of ten for everything. I wanted something that... that yeah. The things that I care about, it was 10 out of 10 on. Does that make sense? So I stuck him, yeah. I kept him, because he was, while well, he had a massive fault, and it was a terrible fault, and people genuinely used to laugh at me for keeping him. 
and 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 and, and, and I did question it regularly, but he was what I wanted. He was what he, he showed. You know, like I say, he's changed my whole thesis on dog running because of what he was in certain categories. So I would rather have something. You're saying a thing. You're saying about if they've. Got you're saying about if they've got a, a, a problem. I would rather have something which, on, 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 if you split it into five categories, was brilliant at four of the ones, and the one it wasn't so good at didn't bother me too much. I'd stick at it, you know, because I'd rather have that than one that's seven out of ten on everything, but it was only seven out of ten or something, seven out of ten or something that I out of ten or something that I really wanted to be good. No, absolutely. Thank makes sense. You know, if you, there are certain things like um, gripping to the we all come across that in training. You know, if you if you go, you know, if you if you go to town, if you if you go to town on that dog that grips when it's six months old, you might end up with nothing left. As well, if you just sort of bide your time and bide yeah. your time, and, and you're careful about how you take it, how often you take it, and what you do, and then you put it right at 15 months, for instance, or you really go to town on it, then fixing the problem, and then you still have a dog, and then you still have a dog at the end of it, and you still have a dog at the end of it. Mm. So I think. Yes, you need to focus on those weaknesses, but you need to pick your timing and, and, and how you go about trying to fix them as well. I think a lot can be um, managed differently anyway, I think, Absolutely. when you're training. While you, while you, just, while you just touched on, uh, on that there with uh, that fault, we've got a question here from Wayne McMillan. Um, how do you guys teach your dogs to give ground or keep out, keep out on their sides and their outright? What's the one for you? Um, so, um, so, um, so, um, what I like, I like to see, um, I would, I would rather a dog's a bit tight when it's young. I would rather it is too tight, you know, because a dog that's tight tends to be want to be on its sheep. And the reason it wants to be on its sheep is because it, it's drawn towards and which means it's drawn towards and which means it tends towards and which means it tends to have be a lying dog, roughly speaking. And it's a, it's a really easy to, um, to simplify it, but dogs roughly fall into two categories. They're either a flank and natural outrunner, or they're a line dog, which isn't a natural outrunner. I mean, that is generalization. That is generalization, generalization, but within reason. And the type I like are the line dog. Uh oh, someone, someone got sick of us. Um, um, Hello. <laughs> so, um, so I like a dog which is too tight and it's outrun. It's too tight and it's outrun. It's outrun. But what I want to teach a dog to do is to, I mean, to be fair, this is like, it'd be quite a long answer this. So, yeah, yeah we, we, we try to teach a dog to look at the, the, the fundamental comes down to seeing its sheep and knowing it's not allowed to walk on and do what it wants to do, do what it wants to do and to do until it's got to the place where we want it to be and got there correctly. So while a lot of people will stand in the middle of the field, the pipe and go, you will run around the outside of the field and stuff. That isn't really our way. It's more about doing it in absolute bit parts all the way to the sheep, going, you must give a bit of ground, you must give a bit of ground, must give a bit of ground, stop because you're tight, you must give a bit of, and, and try to get that that shape rather than that shape. And a, and a big thing, a huge thing to watch when you teach the dog's outrun is, watch the dog's head. If a dog's looking at its sheep on an outrun, looking at its sheep on an outrun, sheep on an outrun, it's probably going wrong. When a dog outruns, so yeah, if, if the camera is the sheep and I'm a dog and it's outrun, then it should run. And when it looks, it should look away again until it's finished its outrun. A dog that looks at its sheep and keeps looking tends to drop its shoulder, tends to drop its shoulder in, drop its shoulder in, tends to tighten, tends to cut the thing. So a big yes. thing to look at on a dog when it's outrun is its head. 
It's allowed to glance to see where they are, so it knows it's getting there. But if it glances and then keeps going perfect, but you watch a lot of those ones with too much eye or ones which are a bit tight, they tend to glance maybe once and then they might glance and then they might glance again and then they might glance again and then the third time they glance, they go, oh, sheep. And they drop that shoulder and they can't help themselves and that's when they come in. So that's a that's a, a, a question. Wow, that, that explains it really yeah. well. And I really like how you touched on liking your dogs tight. Liking your dogs tight. Um, it's tight. Um, there's a massive thing over here where people are, you know, they've got these young dogs and they're just keeping them off all the time. And then they get to an obstacle and they, the dog's got no power left. It won't come in. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. 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 You see, I, I believe even on light sheep, even on wild sheep, the dog should be putting them through the hurdles. And yes, we require dogs which have quite a lot of feel and balance to do that. But that is what they should be doing. You know, it's easy, it's easy to have it's easy to have windscreen wiper dogs which just go like this behind them. But that's not what they're here for. You know, that's not what we want to be breeding. So, yeah, no, we're, we're, I would rather a dog is tight and on them and pushy. I might even get it trained still like that, still like that jock, still like that jock. When jock was about 13 months old, he was very, very tight. He was very, very pushy and he was quite plain. And we used to call him the Kelpie. He did genuinely, and, and I say that in not, in not a bad way, because the, one of the best dogs I've ever seen was a Kelpie. Um, 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 but he was very tight and everything was a rush. And I was talking to Ian Brownlee's breeder and he said, how's he going on? I said, oh, he's a bit tight. But his, his room will probably come on his own because I've had a few dogs. That, he says, not with my breed. He says, you'll have to push him out. So I did do I just made sure that, and also and also hard to keep, also hard to keep pushing him off, pushing him off, pushing him off. Because when I say tight, I mean <laughs> tight. But he was fully trained. By this point, he was, I could do all my farm work with him. It was all a bit, you know, he wanted to do it last week sort of thing. But we, I got the timing right to then put the room in him. Um, um, and um, and even even up until he died, he could still put a tight move in, and he was just getting to that age where for trialing, he'd learn how to do trialing. So he'd won all he'd won, but I'll tell you what, his best years were to come. It's easy to say that now he's six months, isn't it? He don't want everything. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would definitely, definitely rather a dog, especially when it's young, be a bit on its stock and wanting to work them. Yeah. I'd rather it's very, when they're tight and on them and on them, it's very it's very easy to manipulate them out. If they're wide yeah. off them, yeah. it's very hard to manipulate them in. And I think they have to be in contact. You know, we like them to be in contact with sheep all the way around. It's not for us, we're not just like letting the sheep we're not just like letting the sheep run and letting the sheep run and flick the dog about. For us, the dog is taking the sheep round. So if you spend yeah. ages with these dogs too wide, they're not they're not in contact. Um, and generally speaking, if you know if, if we miss gates, it'll be because for whatever reason the dog isn't in contact. If the dog is in contact, then you can hit your obstacles and your lines good. Um, but it's um, but it's through um, but it's through training and through the quality of the dog. It's, it's up to the dog to decide how close it needs to be to be in contact. And that's why we expect them to adjust accordingly. Really. A fundamental thing of our of our and it comes through with the breeding of our dogs as well. Is that we are, is that we are, when we're training, when we're training dogs, we're not just, we're not just telling dogs left. We're not just teaching them to go left and go right and walk on. We're teaching them how to how to work the sheep. 
So although we're putting command on this way, that way, the other way, we're teaching the dog to make teaching the dog to make correct dog to make correct decisions. I liken it to to to, to bringing up children. When the kids were young, when the, when when my two elders were younger, regulates. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Do this. Do that. Do the other. Do the other. So as they so as they get older and they can take the responsibility, they make the correct decisions. And it's exactly the same with dogs. We're teaching them always to make the correct, you know, work your sheep like this, work your sheep like this. And it's over and over and over again. I'm not just saying left because I want you to, because I want you to go left. I'm, because I want you to go left. I'm saying it for a reason. Go there, go to the point of balance, hold them there. So as, as they get older, and it doesn't come overnight, this we're talking about once the dog gets experienced, you've taught it to make the correct decisions. So if it's a thousand yards away on the, on the hill, you can leave it. It doesn't need command because command. Because you've taught, because you've taught it to make the correct decisions as it's grown up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, really get into that, and yeah, I can see, can see that, and I can see the benefits in it as well. In it as well. Question here from Ian Sutherland: How do I get a young dog to drive that is a strong heading type? Um, a line, yeah, a long line, a long line, a long line. I do quite a lot of work if if we've got a flanky dog about, which isn't our real type, uh, but on clinics and things, I like to have a long, like fifty meter line, okay. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just I'll just pick the line up, and rather than getting at the dog, the problem is is that if the dog, the problem is is that if the problem is is that if what happens when you've got a flanky dog. And you've got a dog which is really wanting to flank and go around them, is that your natural inclination is to tell the dog off, isn't it? To be like, ah, which puts pressure on them. Well, as soon as you're putting that pressure on them and you're still behind them, you are encouraging them to go even faster around them, faster around them, around them. You know what I mean? The thing, what, what you get with a dog which, which, when you're driving, it's quite hard to put pressure on because the pressure is at the back of the dog. So all the dog wants to then do is flick out to the side so as it can keep an eye on you. Because that's where the because that's where the yeah, that's where the you know you're putting that pressure straight forward so the dog wants to get out to the side. So if you hold the line, and and, and I mean a lot, I use like a washing line, you know, like a metal, a really really long thin washing line. Yeah. Um, uh, get a glove because it'll take your a glove because it'll take your fingers off. Because it'll take your fingers off. Uh, so what I like to do is is if I've got a dog which is like I'll just pick the line up and I'll just encourage it. Now if it starts to head them, I won't say anything. I'll just put the brakes on. Just, just shut my hands as it can't, and then keep it going again. And just shut my hands so it can't, and just keep doing that. So as it gets, so as it gets into, as it gets into, into doing. Another thing I do is a thing called flicky flanks. So flicky flanks are the oh man, this is a long answer, isn't it? Um, <laughs> right. So flicky flanks are the idea of flanking a dog both ways, both ways, without ways, without stopping in between. Okay, now flicky flanks cover quite a lot of faults in dogs and it covers dogs which struggle. So I, oh God, look at that, now you get where we're going. <laughs> right, so, so I believe, that, I believe that all dogs are born with a gearbox, okay? Now, a dog should have five gears, okay? Now, most are born with either one, two, and three, or three, four, and five. And the three, four, and five are the pushy ones, and they're the hard ones, and they're the ones that we take a lot of time trying to teach. Years one, trying to teach. Years one and two, two. Years one and two, two. 
And then you get these others, which have got gear one, two, and three, which are really probably more correct, easy to train, blah, 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 but they don't have four and five. So we need to teach them four and five. And flicky flanks teach them four and five. They also teach dog how to, also teach dog how to drive, teach dog how to drive, and they give a dog confidence. Now, flicky flanks, are the, the fundamentals of flicky flanks are the idea that you flank a dog this way and that way without moving, without, sorry, without stopping it. So rather than, so, I'm trying to do this in a quick way, it's hard, quick way, it's hard, it's hard. So the idea, right, so with, with many dogs, and, and dogs that want, don't want to drive, and dogs which haven't got a lot of power, um, I'm not saying that they're the same thing, but I'm just saying that these, this covers two, two different uh, problems. To, to give them that fourth and fifth gear, fourth and fifth gear, gear, rather than saying to them, you will walk on, you will walk on, well, if you're saying to a weak dog, you will walk on. Well, it won't because it can't, you know. And sometimes with, with, with weak dogs, you'll see them they're stood there and they're a bit, especially dogs with too much eye, they're kind of frozen, they're kind of frozen, and you've got to come frozen, and you've got to come on, get up, walk on, walk on, come on, come on, walk on. And the dog stood there, the dog stood there, and the people are getting mad when you walk on. And I think in the dog's head, it is walking on. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like if I had a big boulder and I was pushing up the hill and you're saying, push you up the hill, I'd be going, I'm bloody hell. But I can't, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm, you know, going anywhere, but I'm, you know, if I, I'm, you know, if I don't, if I wasn't doing it, I'm going back, you know. And I think some dogs are like that. They get to that point where they're pushing all they can in their head, but they're actually stood still. So to encourage them, and, 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 and often what they do is if that's the sheep and the stuff, they get to that point, that, that sort of that, that boundary they get, that boundary they get to, boundary they get to where they can't walk into that area because of eye or feel or fear or whatever, and they get to that point. And, and, and they don't want to walk on. And the sheep are stopped and the dog stopped and we're at a stalemate. And we need to move that dog into that area. So what we do is we use flicky flanks to flank the, to flank the dog into that flank the dog into that area. So a flicky flank, a flicky flank, it's important that we flank it one way then the other without stopping. Because if we flank it one way, it's going to stay on this line. Stop it and flank it the other way, it's probably going to stay on this line. The idea, I'm going to turn my hand that way. The idea with a flicky flank is that we'll give it a flicky flank is that we'll give it a come flank is that we'll give it a come by. It's a look like an away on your screen. We'll give it a come by, and then without without stopping it, we'll give it an away. So it's snakes. So it's yeah. actually come closer, and then the other way, and then the other way. Do that quickly, and also you've moved it up five yards. That's moved the sheep, and it's away. The sheep, and it's away, and it's away, and that yeah. dog thinks. And you do it again. You do it again. So, it's, so it's, rather than saying to the dog. Right, we're going to make a point of you walking on, and the dog can't. We're going to walk the dog on quickly, okay? And get you, and then, and then. So same with the driving. If the dog doesn't want to drive, the dog doesn't want to drive, want to drive. I'll, I'll flicky flank it rather than try to make it drive. I'll go come by, I'll come back and get the sheep going, and then stop it, and then good dog, and then let it go. So it's like, oh, that was fun. Kind of chased him away rather than, and then once they're going, then walk it on. That's when you pick your line up and you just line up and you just hold it, just. Hold it, you know, every time it's gonna every time it's gonna go fast, you just put the brakes yeah. up and then loads of encouragement. Good dog, good dog. The thing about the line is is that you can almost hold it back, make the dog sort of think, Oh, I want to drive, and you're kind of going, No, you won't. You know, you kind of you know, you kind of put the brake, you know, you kind of put the brakes on. So the dog really wants to a lot of the key to all this is the distance from the dog from the sheep, because there's a, there's an area where sheep will, you know, this area I talked about a moment ago where dogs will get to that. That, that bubble and they'll happily follow it follow that follow it follow that bubble follow that bubble but as soon as the sheep stop and the dog has to go into that bubble that's when we get that point where the dog doesn't want to walk on or it wants to flank round so 
we either, what we can do with the line, we can just hold it just behind that bubble. So as the sheep keep going, and we hold the dog just behind that bubble, so just behind that bubble, so the dog wants that bubble, so the dog wants to gain, it wants to get to the edge of that bubble. And then when the sheep do stop, we let it get to the edge of the bubble, and when it gets to the edge of that bubble, they don't want to walk in, then we do a quick little flicky flank, get him in there, sheep go again, and then we put the line up again, and we're away again, and he thinks I've got all this power. And you do that many times, and the dog starts to think, and the dog starts to think, the dog starts to think, oh, I'm a good driver. You know, you kind of kid the dog into doing it. And so we're gaining that fourth and fifth gear that it doesn't really have, but we're we're helping him as much as we can to get it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that movement creates movement and then they get confident. So, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also gives you, there's, so there's a guy called Mike Wessendorf in Germany, top fella, German Mike, as I call him. <laughs> it took me a long time to think of his name. Um, and... Uh, he has a little bitch called Nice, and uh, she's and uh, she's uh, she's exceptionally well named because she was nice. She was too nice. <laughs> lovely out roam, lovely, and, and it was his first dog, so she was ideal because she was easy to roam. She had loads of niceness, but if the sheep stopped, she stopped. So when I first went out to when I first went out to Germany, and met, first went out to Germany and met Mike. We talked about flicky flanks, and we talked about being proactive. So we got her doing the flicky flank thing. So as she got there. You know, he could flick her this way and that way. And she kind of, the other thing is that when a dog walks onto sheep with eye, the sheep often look at the dog and they kind of go, what are you going to do? It, it, actually it, it actually makes, it actually makes confrontation. The flicky flanks don't because the dog kind of comes up and, <laughs> and the sheep go, and they move. We've often seen plain dogs, haven't we, that we know are a bit weak, but they kind of walk in a bit like Yogi Bear and the sheep turn and go because they, because they just don't have that, have that fear that, fear of the mother's not that confrontation yeah. so what we did we do with my style with nice is that we started to do flicky planks at the top and, and what he ended up doing was being when he went to trial he was proactive if he thought these sheep were just that bit heavy he would flicky flank at the top now he'd lose a couple of points at his lift a couple of points at his lift his lift but he got the sheep moving and then he'd have a good run whereas if he hadn't flicky flanked yes he wouldn't have lost any points at his lift but he wouldn't have had any points anyway because he never yeah. he never got yeah. the lift so it's very much what Meg was saying earlier about about if you've got if you have got if you have got a fault a fault in the way if you like everything else surely surely it's for you to go well I like everything else it's what I want I've got to find a way to make it better you know in the bit that is wrong. I think the key with driving in particular going back to that question is nine times out of ten it's quite unnatural for the dog it's quite unnatural for the dog natural for the dog. And it's very easy to, to get frustrated with the dog because it's like trying to head them or it's going for a stop. And, you know, you need to make it a positive experience because the dog's pretty uncomfortable anyway. So if you then yeah. get mad, you know, then it, it just goes from bad to worse and you end up just putting the dog up wanting to even try, to even try. So I think with the line, so I think with the line, you, you prevent fallout and you give it you give it confidence. So for me, yeah. it's a win-win. Yeah. Um, and even though sometimes I think people think it's a step back putting a line on, they kind of see it as a lack of control or, or a lack of been the dog being in training um but i think it should be seen as a i think it should be seen as a real tool it should be seen as a real tool at any stage really to be honest in yeah, I'm I'm sure. a lot. yeah 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 i think yeah. the thing about using the line i started using a lot a line up a lot when i when i first, when I first started doing clinics because you know generally generally speaking generally speaking i like to, generally speaking i like to use generalizations generally speaking <laughs> Seven or eight times out of ten, a problem with the dog at any clinic is they can't stop it. So they'll come and they'll say, oh, it won't do this, it won't do that, it won't do the other. And it's all based on the fact they can't stop the dog. When you're training the dog, the first the 
first, the first, the first basics you want to train it is left, right, stop, and start. But the stop is the key one because if you can stop a dog, and I don't mean stop in a fearful place, I mean stop in a happy place. I'm stopped because you've told me to stop. Then you can do everything else. Everything else. Those four, those four basics are the building blocks. If you start trying to build on top of that and train other things, and these four aren't correct, you can't. You can't get it. And but the stop on. So, like I say, on clinics, probably more than eight out of ten. But anyway, let's say eight at ten. But anyway, let's say eight times out of ten. Say eight times out of ten. The problem is the stop. They'll come and they'll say, "My dog won't outrun," you know, or "My dog won't do this." My dog won't do that. And I'll say, right, well, let's just they work it. And I go, let's work on the stop first. Oh, it stops well. It doesn't stop well enough. Let's get and you work on the stop for a day and you get it for a day and you get it a bit better and you get it a bit better. And all of a sudden that silly outrun that it was doing, it's going, oh, I have to do as I'm told because I have to stop. Oh, well, I better outrun properly then. I don't know. And it all falls into place because because the basics come on. And so I'm jerky from one subject to another like I do. <laughs> I've got sheepdog Tourette's, mate. Seriously. Just look, seriously. Just look, outrun. Just look, outrun. <laughs> anyway, and so it's, uh, is, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the, the stop is also the fundamental thing about the relationship we should have with the dog when it's working. We are the boss. We are the pack leader. We are the pack leader. Pack leader. We are the ones in charge. You stop when you're told. If you're not stopping when you're told, you are making decisions which aren't for you to take. So when I'm stuck, this is what I'm talking about, the very basics. So if we can't stop a dog, it's showing that the dog is disrespecting us, or respecting us, or doesn't believe us, or doesn't believe it has to do as it's told, or doesn't believe that we're the pack leader. So we need that stop to be correct. What often happens is on clinics, I'll go out there and they'll have a dog which does something weird, like a bit of a, a temper thing or a grip or something wrong. And I work on the stop and we get the stop right and we get the stop right and the stop right and the dogs often relax. And the reason they relax is because all of us, they've been bred for 150 years to work for us. So when that stops good, all of a sudden the dog goes, I know where I am in the pecking order. Whereas when they're kind of fighting for, kind of fighting for who's the, for who's the boss, it causes issues in the dogs because they're not the boss. And that's when you get temper. That's when you get gripping. That's when you get them doing silly things so the fundamentals are getting that stop correct so as they work forward and then we get those basics right then once those basics are right that's basics right that's when we start that's when we start teaching them about making the decisions correct you know taking responsibility we can then give the responsibility back once we know we've got it correct it's the same it's the same as with children you know what i mean i don't you know with with, with dylan now he's 40 months old i say to him i say to him i say to him don't touch the fire it's hot don't touch the fire, it's hot. Okay, so he learns not to touch. Now, Ashley and Dan and the other ones, I'll say, Can you go and light the fire? Do you know what I mean? Because, because and that's how it works, isn't it? And, and it's the same with dogs. We say, Don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, and then do this. And then in the end, it's not, and then in the end, it's not, Don't do that, it's just do this. And it's not even do this. They go, I know what I'm doing. You've told me to do this a million times. And it's, you know, that's the, and I'm, I'm talking about when dogs are really developed. So we have to take responsibility. In, the younger they are, the more keen they are. Things we take the responsibility. They are things we take the responsibility. You know, we take the responsibility in, in in house when we make that we make the decisions ourselves because we know there's a high likelihood the dog's going to make the wrong decision or the dog makes the wrong decision. We have to stop it. We have to tell it that was wrong. Now do it like this. So the next time it does it, hopefully it goes. Oh, oh last time I did that, I just better ease off here. Better ease off here. Off here. Little things like coming through a gateway or going through a wet spot on the farm and the dog comes too 
tight and the sheep split and you go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You're right. You know what I mean? And, and you go, oh yeah, there we are. The moment he does it, so he goes, oh, what am I doing? And you go, oh wait, come by. And you go, oh wait, come by, look back. Oh wait, come by, look back. Put them together back. So you think next time it'll go, oh, last time I was a dick coming through here. So it comes down and, goes, and it eases off. And the sheep goes, yeah, look at that. And it carries on. And it, and it actually relaxes the dog because you're giving it the responsibility to do it. But you've said to it, don't do that, do this, this. And then it learns. And then it learns, hopefully, next time, do this. Obviously, on trial fields, we are taking more responsibility because the dog doesn't know where the hurdles is. Well, some people better will not going to that. Uh, so, so we are into it, but we're guiding it. But I still, I still think that you, when, when a dog is fully trained, a dog is fully trained, fully trained, you know, even on a trial field, it should be making quite a lot of the decisions because it's very hard to know at distance, for example, if the dog should take six inch, you know, a little bend here, a little bend there to hold the line. I want dogs which hold the line. When, when I put sheep on the line, I want the dog to work. I want the dog to work. Dog to work on that line until I correct the line, if that makes sense. So all the time we're yeah. trying to get a dog which works and holds the line for us. So as when we do go to a trial, and the sheep are tricky, it thinks, "Oh, these are tricky. I better hold the line a bit harder." And then all it needs from me, all it needs from me is to tell it, it needs from me is to tell it, "You're on the wrong line. Go ten yards a bit." That type of, I mean, that's hugely simplifying. But that is the kind of relationship we try to get. Certainly with sweep at the end. He took more, I would say he made more decisions than I did at trial. And that sounds maybe ridiculous, but I'm, I, I thoroughly, I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly, he probably won about 100 open trials. He won the national twice, he was reserved supreme twice. He won the qualifier at the international. He won day of play, he won day of play. He won everything there is to win. And he did, in the last three or four years of his life, he took at least 50% of the decisions. The decisions. And ignored most of me. He taught me how to ignore things. On that note, I'm going to say a uh, question here from Daniel Lenzo. What's the three toughest trials you have competed in and why were they so difficult? Um, do you want to sound step first? Do you want to sound step first? First? Uh, well, for me, deer play has got to be. Mm, deer play has got to be one of the toughest, just because I think they're, um, well, two reasons really. The terrain is incredibly hard, deer play. I don't know how high, how long is the outrun? It's about six feet. Yeah, it's yeah. not much. It's more that it's a little bit of flat in the top, a little bit of flat in the top, and then it's up, and then it's just rough, really rough. Um, and it's difficult for dogs to hear, it's difficult to redirect them. And then the other factor is that the sheep are actually really hard work. So when the dog gets there, you've got three or four tributes that just do not want to come down. So your dogs come back. So your dogs come back to the heart. Come back to the heart again. You're taking all that effort to get all the way up there. Um, and if you've got a natural out on a dog, you, you know it's fairly it's happy to be there, but it's still a long way. And then it gets there, and you're saying, "Oh, really hard to bring them down." Um, so for me, for me, dear players, it's got to be one of the toughest. I think, um, just for that combination, really, really. So, <laughs> Bowen's got to be one of the ones. Well, I would actually say this is going to sound maybe opposite. <laughs> I find a little nursery course in the middle of winter with three hogs that have never seen a dog before, and the drive hurdles, drive hurdles fifty yard, drive hurdles fifty yard away. I find that really hard. <laughs> I find that far harder than so. It's probably what I should say is deer play. Yeah, Berwin, which is it's only a new trial, it's been going three or four years. 
but it's a thousand yards either way and it is steep and it is steep and it is it is it is it is rough ground and you can't see your dog it is that well let me put it this way the day we the day i first went the, the qualifier for that is on three tiny little fields in a little welsh village you know tiny fields 150 yard outruns uh and so you have to do well there and then you go up this van then you go up this valley this valley in the middle of nowhere and we went up i went with sergio when i first went and as we drive up the road, we, we, we jokingly said, oh, can you see that tractor on the top? Look at that sheep out there. Like, <laughs> and they were. And, 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 and I remember I got out of the car. I got out of the car and we got, there's a few people and everyone, there's a few people and everyone was like, what people? And everyone was like, what's going on? And I got, and I got the phone and went, what, what's that, dad? The cows are out. I have to come home. Okay. You know, because genuinely it was, it was, it was that sort of travel which looks tough, which, which looked tough. And it was massive and it is really difficult. However, it's easier for me than it is for most because we've because we've got that because we've got that type of ground. So deer play is very hard. But like I said, I've won that. Well, we can't go this year, unfortunately. We're doing a demo somewhere, so I can't win it five in a row. But I won it four in a row, and I'm not blowing my trumpets in that. I've won it four in a row because my dogs are ready for it. So while it is tough, it is tough, tough. I find those a bit easier or easier to win on than a little pokey course. With five minute sheep going everywhere, where it's kind of a leveler, where everyone's at a similar kind of standard. But for actual fun of watching and, and fun of running on those massive courses, and those massive courses are really massive courses are really good fun. My favourite course ever was where I won the Supreme. And that's probably because I won the Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to um, another question we have here um, from Marie McKillop. Why do you guys try? Um, I think we're very competitive. I mean, that probably is uh, one of the biggest. Yeah, things. but I, I'm more competitive than you. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I first started out, it was just because it's, my parents did it. And I grew up with it, and it, it was something that, for whatever reason, I just for whatever reason, I just always wanted. I just always wanted to do. I remember wanting from a very early age. Wanted my own dog. Wanted to trial. And then, like you said, when you get a bit of success, you want to do it again mm. and again. Um, I think for me, underlying it as well is that uh, you know. Uh, working with the dogs along you know alongside especially doing outdoor lambings and stuff you spend really long hard days with them I mean, long hard days with them hard days with them uh in, in horrendous weather conditions sometimes and yet you've got a really good bond and, and the way i see it as well it's i like to take my dog out somewhere where i know it can succeed i quite like to show them off you know they're good dogs i like people to see them i like people to appreciate what i appreciate in them um and i think especially and i think especially with especially with the success that i had this last year um i want to do it for them you know i think those dogs deserve to have some little posh writing under their name on a pedigree yeah, you know they deserve to have those achievements because if not they wouldn't get known and they wouldn't get seen and i think that's really sad when you've got such a good dog um get to step up get yeah. to step up and, and have the fame that yeah. you know others do really for me that's what yeah I mean. yeah no I, 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 I totally agree it is it's that i mean obviously i'm a huge competitive so it yeah. is it yeah. is yeah yeah we're very competitive yeah um it is that it is that is that I want to win. I want to be, but I think it's slightly, slightly more with me. Is that I want my dogs to look better than your dog. You know, it's 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 more like like it like I, I, I it would be easy to keep some of the dogs I've sold and win trials with them. It would be easy to keep them, but I wouldn't want that because you know because they'd be winners. They'd be nice types of trial dogs. But I wouldn't want that because they wouldn't my type of dog. I want my type. I want my type of dog. I want my type of dog to 
and I don't just mean this weekend, the next weekend, I mean over the course of their career, to go down as, look at that dog. It never got stuck. It never got disqualified. It won this. It won that. It did that hard trial easy. You know, that type of, you know, you know, you know, that type of, of, of leaving a legacy in a way. And it's it's that it's that fundamental kind of thing of what I believe a dog should be. I want that dog not just to be a work dog, because a big thing we like to say is that our dogs do the work and do the dogs do the work and do the trialing, work and do the trialing. So I love it when I can put a video on Facebook of my dogs doing a lot of work and then go and win the next day against someone whose dog never does work because it's a trial dog. Yeah. It's, that, it's, that, yeah. it's that thing. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing like winning. You know, that feeling, you know, with little trials, it lasts for, little trials, it lasts for, it lasts for half an hour. Within big trials, it lasts for half a year, you know, and it's that, yeah. it, it, it gives you something, you know, it gives you a real adrenaline buzz. You know, it's, it's something else like. So... On that note, you said earlier something about earlier something about something um, about um, work dogs and trial dogs. Do you think trial dog like over here we hear a big debate that trial dogs don't make work dogs and work dogs don't make trial dogs? Yours are obviously doing both. And what is your what is your take on those? What is your take on those sort of comments? I. A thousand percent disagree with that statement. Um, I mean, I, I, that is the absolute, like that, that is what we've been talking about the whole thing. That is the fundamentals of what we believe in. So, jock, so jockey's back, so jockey's back, jockey's buried. At, um, we've got a big allotment there, and he's and I, and I buried him right at the top of the allotment because he could see the whole day on that. But the reason was because when, like, we have quite you know, quite regularly people come to look at the dogs, you know, and you sort of say, Oh, yeah, drop in and we'll show you. And on there would have you know some there would have you know two to have you know two or two or three hundred yos with lambs at foot and i could put him around there without a command and he would hustle them in and every time he hit a corner his tail would be in the air and he'd not grip but he'd nearly bump into the sheep and he'd be like a right rouser you know what i mean you'd think what a hound and then would cross the road and there's a little road and there's a little training paddock and there's a little training paddock and i'd have five sheep like give him one stop whistle and he go trail mode and he'd start walking and he'd do all that and Sweep was the same, except Sweep wouldn't be as clever than Jack. But that's what I love to do. I love, love to show people my dogs doing that work, doing doing that work, doing that real work, doing that real, being a bit, being a bit rough, you know, being in a good way, you know, getting the job done, but then having the ability to go, we're on this job now. And all in between, you know what I mean? So I fundamentally disagree with you disagree with that disagree with that however it maybe takes a certain type of dog to be able to do both successfully there's plenty of dogs which do the work and do the trialing but to do it successfully and for a long period maybe takes a different type of dog or a certain type of dog which is the type we're after which is the type we're after which is the dogs we're after which is the dogs that have the natural feel have the natural balance if you run a dog which is a bit a bit plain and you do a lot of rough work we go on four or five sheep and he's a bit plain it carries on being rough so I like a dog which has got a little bit more eye than some people, a little bit more feel and balance. Because if you balance, because if you drop down, because if you drop down to them small numbers, they immediately do just drop down to that that, that gear, don't they? Yeah. We hear it a lot. We hear it more from 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 the farming community though. So it's it's the, it's the farmers who are a bit like oh farmers who are a bit like oh bloody trial a bit like oh bloody trial dog type mentality, who are the ones who I like to talk to. And and say, come and look at ours. 
just come and look. No, you know, not, 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 I'm not selling anything, just come and look. And yeah. when they do, generally speaking, they go on with the book. <laughs> they go on with the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yet they criticise ours, you know, because they trial. So it's yeah. And I, I, I think also as well, I think I think on some of these places where the dog where they've got a farm dog and it's a got a farm dog and it's a rough ass, farm dog and it's a rough ass, the sheep learn. The sheep learn the dogs are rough ass and they can get away with more. You know, like when we have trials here, generally speaking, the sheep are good because they expect the dog to be good. You know what I mean? They don't try and take it. Well, you go some places and the sheep go, Let's go and jump that wall. Because <laughs> the dog won't, you know, the dog won't, you know, that type of thing, you know, that type of thing, um, and 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 so I think that makes probably oh, yeah, sense. What we're doing is going to have to have an outing in the toilet. That's all right. <laughs> Actually, well, we got you there, Meg. When um, yeah. when when you when you we're talking about your dogs. When you guys are um, considering future joinings, what are you thinking about? The breeding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's <laughs> breeding is something that we're quite passionate about. Um, obviously, because we've got stud lines, we've got our own, we've got stud lines, we've got our own line, lines, we've got our own line. But obviously, we're, because we're, our dogs are related, we have to look for stud dogs elsewhere. Um, and, and it's tricky because I, I often find that some people aren't particularly honest about their dogs. I'm, I'm happy to tell people my dog's faults um, all day long because they all have them. But sometimes, but sometimes if you if you, sometimes if you if you say to someone they might be a bit offended you know i really like your dog but can you just tell me what you think he could be better at um and they don't like it they're like oh no he's perfect is this is that so it's hard to find a dog that you like um that you that you, that you don't know you know that you, you want to use him you know if you don't know him, you know if you don't know him, if you don't know him, you don't know him, if you don't know him inside out and the handler isn't particularly honest you yeah. can end up with a big hole in your line um but that being said we try even though breeding isn't isn't an exact science we try and pick a dog that we like um a dog that we like talking about the heart the courage we try and find that and try and find that in another find that in another in another dog that we think will match our line and then if we've got a dog that's particularly like a wide outrunner for instance um we probably wouldn't then pick him for being a wide outrunner um but in our experience it's not as easy as is putting one fault to a strength and that the puppies and that the puppies that puppies that come from that cross automatically just meet in the middle that doesn't yeah. really happen you know, with, with puppies that are really good outrunners and then some that, that are. So we just try and pick dogs that we really like. We like the core of them. Um, we're, we're quite big on genetics, on picking genetic lines that we know cross with genetic lines, genetic lines. Um, uh, for instance, if you, if you have a dog that, um, particularly in, in my older bitch, Katie, she's the McLaughlin Ben line with the, with the sweep and no line. And we've seen that time and time again where that line has worked cross together. Um, so we would we continue to use lines that we know cross, whereas that we know cross, whereas if we've the cross, whereas if we if we know a line where they just don't click for whatever reason, we'd avoid that. Um, but we try to just find a dog we like that the hand is fairly honest about the faults, so that we make sure that we don't end up really making a fault in our own line worse. Um, and then we just go for it, and we see what happens, and we see what happens. I mean, it's not happens. I mean, it's not a we try our best, but it's not an exact science. And I probably should mention health for us is important as well. We DNA test a lot. Um, there are certain people in the UK farmers particularly don't bother with that. Uh, we try and set an example a bit and try and test us for quite a few things because we don't want to breed, want to breed, breed um, something unhealthy if we can help it. We use, I mean, we use carriers happily. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we use yeah. carriers all the time. We just but, wouldn't but want, we to want to carriers. mix and match. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, knowledge is power, as my wife tells me. Absolutely. She's very. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so question from the Natrimmer. Um, are there any particular traits that you guys are wanting to put into your line moving forward and what are they? Mm. Um, I don't know really. I mean, the things that, that we have in our line that I really like, but I don't want to lose. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably, probably that's probably more important to us than, than putting anything in. Um, if that makes sense, we, we'd rather work with the faults we've got. I think that's. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I think for me the, the biggest thing that I've found in, in especially in one of my dogs at the minute, which um, it's it's really the sweep the sweep line is that she holds the weight. Um, so if the sheep are leaning on her she will lean right back without lean right back without being told back without being told and to the point where i actually have a hard time to hit a gate because she'll lean so hard where they're up you know i'm not you know i'm like no you need to she won't come off the way uh, yeah. and now that i've handled that so strongly in her um if i take out other dogs uh, and i'm like well, what they, you know not just not not just not even if they don't just not even if they don't want to hold the weight they'll slide off it that type of thing so it's for me now i've had that i would very much try and keep that i'd be willing to sacrifice other things that i can work on but that ability for her to read the sheep and put herself where it's tough that i want to hold on to um and it's very um and it's very tricky i think and it's very tricky i think to actually, we have a lot of dogs come for our hands that don't have that um and now, now i've had it I, would, I want to hold on to it really on that note how do you guys go about picking a pup for yourselves uh, you have a saying that they're, they're all champions about this. They're all champions. Yeah, they're all, they're all champions at that age, yeah. Um, my, I, I've found the, the, the best way of picking a pup is to let my wife, because I am rubbish at picking puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I've had so, some Moya, who's my um, my main bitch, um, main bitch um, she's not Ashen. She's not Ashen. Well, she's won the, inter she won the international brace this time. And she's won the English national brace three or four times, but she's not actually got into the English team yet on her own right. She's just missed out for whatever. It, but she's won Deer play twice. She's won that Berwin trial we talked about. She's won Macclesfield twice. The double gather. She's a it's the double gather. She's a big gather. She's a big day dog. She's won loads. She's a tremendous bitch, but just doesn't quite work for the national this man. But anyway, I, I digress. She um, we've had three litters out of her, and she's been a bit hit and miss. And everyone I've had of her has been the miss. <laughs> so then I've picked then I've picked the there was one in the first litter. Sergio's gym, half a white head, look like Dale's wits mottle on the white half. The handsomest dog you've ever seen. Lovely nature, absolutely beautiful dog. Call him Leo. I thought that's a good name, he's Leo. Leo the lion, yeah. Never looked never looked at a sheep, never looked at a sheep in his life, that pot licker. Had to give it away. <laughs> Had to give it away as a search and rescue dog. That so, <laughs> oh. But it was good looking doing it. Yeah, I think um, there were loads of stories. Um, you know, you, you, you see people like on Facebook debates about wait for one to come and pick you and all this sort of nonsense. Right. I like uh, uh, <laughs> what, what I would say though is, and all joking aside, is that you've got to like the look of the pup. You know, you've got to, if you, you don't go and pick one you don't like the look of. One thing I hate. One thing I hate is a pink. One thing I hate is a pink nose. I hate pink pink pigment from that. I want the black nose, which generally comes with a black mouth. Does it make a difference? Probably not. But I don't like the look of it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I want a nice black. I want a nice black nose. I like a dark eye. I like the eyes to be dark. I love a lucky black. I love a lucky black leg. I love a lucky black leg. I love a leg that is is black down to the to the ankle on the back or the front. That's a a lucky black leg. It makes no difference at all. But I like the look of them. 
Um, so I like three hairs under the chin, uh, two tails. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, if one stands out to you, you like the sharp part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the sharp part. I don't think it reminds me of the sharp part. Hmm. I think a lot of that will come out. Uh, but yeah, I think you like it. If you get it home and you straight away, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I like this. I'm not sure I like this. Yeah. Then you probably, yeah. then you're probably wasting your time before you start. You have to like it. You have to yeah. want to take yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. Often we'll yeah. just get. Yeah. We'll often, we'll often keep what we get left with. You're setting off on the right foot if you like them, aren't you? You know, what I mean, you've got, you've got to spend a lot of time with it. You know, if you end up being your main dog. Yeah. You got a dog. Yeah. You got to spend a heck. Yeah. You got to spend a heck of a lot of time with them. So if you don't like the look of them at the beginning, you're not setting off. That's it, nothing great place, are you? But we don't, we don't get hung up on it. Like, no, Meg, luckily, Meg doesn't get hung up on what you're doing. Sophie, we sold. Sophie, we sold. She bred and she kept her tail, and then we bought her back when she was just yeah, nine months so old. I'm much more relaxed now than I used to be. Yeah, so yeah, we and, and, and sweep, sweep. Who's the main sort of dog? I had the choice of the litter. The choice of the litter, to the litter, and um, I didn't keep him. And then I bought him back when he was a little bit older. Yeah, so it's, a jock, who was, you know, I had him from a little puppy. But I said to the breeder, there was four bitches and one dog. And I said, are you having a dog or a bitch? He says, I don't know. I said, I'll tell you what, keep your favourite bitch and the dog, and then you decide if you got, and then you decide if you got a dog or a bitch. You decide if you got a dog or a bitch, and I'll do the one. And went that, and that was jock. So shows how good I am at picking puppies. <laughs> now I'm terrible. <laughs> so is there anyone you'd like to see us sit down and have this sort of chat with on dog tour on dog tour tour Sergio yeah yeah say again sorry can you hook that up for us yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome you might show because he he gets more passionate than we do. More passionate than we do. More than we do. <laughs> Conversations like this into the early hours about how a dog's eyes look. <laughs> he's a, he's a natural dog man. Unbelievably natural. Unbelievably natural. Beautiful. We really appreciate you guys giving us some time this evening for us yeah. this morning for you guys because yeah, um, there were two of you and unfortunately we can't send the bag of enduro plus over to the uk we're going to get you we're going to get you guys to, we're going to get you guys to pick a question each so was there a question yeah. that you guys thought um that stood out for either of you um i like the one about what dogs have an impact on us was yeah, that, that was quite a good one. Yeah, I like that one because it's that's about dogs for me. Yeah. I like that one that said, uh, "What's your bank? What's your bank account number in Soko?" Was that one of you from Nigeria? Not a million pounds. We asked you that the one about um, training, training for internationals was a big one. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Daniel Lenzo. That was Daniel Lenzo. So Dan Lenzo, bag of enduro, bag of enduro plus, enduro plus um, coming your way. And was there another one there between? Gosh, I think a lot of questions were we've been whittling that one. You like the weakness one? That was a good question. Which one was that? About how to work on a weakness if you work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Same again. Same again. 
Was it? Yeah. Well, there you go, Daniel Lanza. <laughs> Two bags of Enduro Plus. Oh, I'm not saying But in saying that, thanks again, guys. But yeah. you haven't got off that lightly, that lightly, just lightly, just yet. So, okay, the cool. last question is Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? For me, definitely 20 horses the size of ducks. Yeah, because because um, I think if there was like I'm only five foot two, so if it was a duck, the size, how big a horse? Hang on, yeah, hang on, how big a horse? <laughs> <laughs> 14, three, 14 hands. Oh no, definitely, I'm definitely going with duck the size. I think they're going with duck the size of horse. Eight duck the size of horse. Eight horse the size of duck. <laughs> definitely. And why is that? But you haven't finished. Because I kick them off. I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like Bruce Lee and David Beckham's love child. Bend them like Bruce, you reckon? Yeah, bend them like Bruce. That's it. And that yourself, I'm going to you very similar. Would you rather find your mum and dad? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I'm a test tube baby. <laughs> I tell myself, I, I sleep better at night time thinking that. At least your dad's a good shot. Mm. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> on, on that note, guys, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, good really. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have spent hours more here yeah. tonight. Like, really, really got entrenched in this conversation. So, thanks heaps. <laughs> really enjoyed your, um, this this chat. Um, yeah, cool. it's been awesome, and good luck, awesome, good luck with your trial. Good luck with your trial. Just say anybody, just say anybody. Uh, we've got a nice page, little dog sheep dogs, where you can follow the sort of garbage that we do, and it's all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, we're thinking, yeah, we do TikTok videos and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. you can see the deal and what we stand for in dogs. Yeah, and I'll get Meg to send you that 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 the that, link, that, 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 the link, yeah, I will. Perfect. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. No worries. Good to come. Have a great day. Yeah. See you later. Catch you later. Bye.